Welcome to the Yellow Jackets Hive presented by CordCunning.com. I'm Meanie and Melanie here with... And I'm Emily. And we are back for another live stream episode. We are re-watching and recapping season one. And today we're going to cover episodes three and four. And we're very excited about it. That is uh, The Dollhouse and Bear Down. Yes. Yes, it's been really fun rewatching these uh, because, again, we have a new appreciation for things that are happening that we now have new knowledge for. So I think that's yeah. been that's been really nice. I appreciate the additional context. And uh, sure. before, before we dive in, I thought uh, we should shout out our recent Patreons. We have a uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash Yellow Jackets Hive podcast. And some of our newer patrons that we haven't mentioned yet are Wolfie Van Frankenstriker, Andy, Shira, Artsy Blue Eyes, Helena, Morgan Lynn, Kim, Danielle, Malika, Lisa Matthews, and uh, Andy Thompson. We've also got uh, Jessica and Bluth Banana on there. Uh, I forget if we had shouted you out before, but also let's just give her a shout out to all of our patrons because we seriously yeah. love and appreciate you guys. Uh, we have Alyssa, Nicole, Jillian, Kim, Tara, Danielle, Heather, ML Wine, 7788, Kaylee, Mitchie, Phoenix, Kimberly, uh, Andrew, Catherine, and Mara. So uh, thanks for everybody who supported us uh, at one time or currently on Patreon. We really appreciate you yes. guys. We really do. A lot. Thank yes. you. <laughs> yes, thank you. And buzz, buzz, buzz. And uh, hey, if you didn't know, we also have merch available now uh, at yellowjacketshiveshop.com. We've got all kinds of cool designs. We've got hoodies, bags, tank tops shirts and all kinds of fun stuff yeah, anything you can imagine like playing cards cups like anything you can think of bandanas for your pets like it's all there <laughs> that's right Alyssa bought a bunch of those for her huskies which looks super cute by the way and if there's a design you see on there that you'd like on an item shout us out anytime it's easy to add no problem and uh yeah Thanks to one of our designers, Erin, for really pumping out a lot of these ones. They look really great. So thank you, Erin. We appreciate yeah, it. They're amazing. Yes, they are, just like all of you guys. So before we dive into the episode recap and uh, speculation, we have been doing something called Yellow Jackets Would You Rather. Um, Emily, are you ready for me to Would You Rather you? Bring it on. Okay. Would you rather dig up your dead father's body to retrieve a sentimental object or break into your friend's house who you haven't seen in years and get caught by the cops? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with dig up the body just because I have such like an irrational fear of police officers for some reason that I like, even if I'm not doing anything wrong, it's just like a guilty conscience for nothing. So I will go with the dead body. <laughs> that sounds good. And you know what? I'd have to agree with you because anytime the law is involved with things, yeah. let's face it, nobody likes getting involved with the law unnecessarily, no. right? Not at I all. mean, <laughs> uh, hey, also shouting out in the comments here, we've got Vine and Hi, we've got Vine. our friend Keith Bored now, who coincidentally we are recording a collaboration with tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk all about the shows that we've been watching recently and discuss them. So yeah. can't wait for that. Stay tuned. It'll be on Keith's channel and we'll be sure to share it 
And uh, mm-hmm. speaking of things we're watching, uh, let's each name one show we recently watched because we want to save some stuff for our episode with Keith tomorrow. What have you been watching? I've been watching Based on a True Story on Peacock. Thanks to you, actually. You recommended mm-hmm. that to me. And it's a show about this couple that they meet this guy who becomes their plumber and he ends up being a serial killer and they do a podcast together. So murder and podcast, like two of my favorite things. So it's perfect. (laughs) It is. And Kaylee Cuoco is hilarious in that show. I loved her. Peacock's got some really good ones out as well. So I urge you all to check that out. I covered it and watched this Wednesday a couple weeks ago. Uh, This week, I covered Impulse, which actually Mm -hmm. stars Callie from Yellow Jackets, Sarah Desjardins. Uh, It's really good. I'm about halfway through the first season. It's got a little sci-fi-ness to it. And uh, I think it's right up our fellow Jackets Alley, so check it out. And one more for me, Virgin River Season 5 dropped today. And (laughs) I only got to watch one episode, but I am so excited about it. So, yes. I've never watched that. I need to give it a try just to see if I like it. It's cute. It's definitely not dark. Uh, It's definitely more of a heartfelt story. Like a feel-good kind of show. It is. I mean, there's some dark stuff in it, but overall, it's definitely on the lighter side of things compared to what we normally watch. So worth it. Worth a look, you know. Yes. Okay. So why don't we get started with episode three, Dollhouse. Uh, Emily, read the description that Showtime lists. The Yellow Jackets debate the merits of probably dying while staying put or probably dying while looking for shelter. Thaisa navigates a dirty attack ad. Yes, she sure does. Cannibalizing your tax dollars. (laughs) 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 Oh, we have uh, Phoenix just popped in backstage. Hey, Phoenix. uh, Nice to see you there. Uh, One of our Patreon perks is you get to watch backstage. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. And hey, Phoenix, if you want to hop on at any point, let us know. Give us a thumbs up. Nope. Okay. That's cool. You just watch. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. So the dollhouse in itself, uh, the episode when they find the cabin really describes the microcosm of this world that the girls are creating for themselves out in the wilderness. Like they're playing house, like they're little dolls in this dollhouse. But the wilderness is anything but a happy dollhouse. It is a very dark place as we start to see in this season. So why don't you start running down a brief summary of the episode? Sure. So three days in, Thaisa convinces the group to hike towards a nearby lake. But I thought that the scene before they decide to hike was really interesting too, because that's the first time that anybody really challenges Jackie because Jackie was like, no, we need to stay put. We need to stay near the plane because if help comes, they're not going to be able to find us. And Thaisa was thinking very, like, logically, like, if we stay here, we have no water, we're going to die. Like, we need to go somewhere where there's resources that will help us stay alive. And I can't, I think it was Van that said, like, do you think they're taking their time on purpose? Like, do you think that they're, like, just looking everywhere else but here no like they they have no idea where we are and it could be forever until they find us so staying there would have been really dumb it was smart for them to go look for help and uh they all voted and I also thought the way that they voted was interesting too because if I remember Jackie raised her hand to stay so did Lottie so did Laura Lee so did Mari And it was just interesting to me that 
it seemed like the ones that were choosing to stay were the ones that were going to die. At least that's the way it like appeared because we lose Jackie. We lose Laura Lee. We may lose Mari. We don't know yet. Um, but so they go and they go find the lake. Um, and when they're at the lake, they notice like a little reflection off the water and it leads them up to find the cabin and they stumble upon the cabin and Lottie's reaction when they find the cabin was very like telling too because this was the first time that like she had any kind of like if you want to call it like a premonition or like a moment where she had like a feeling since she was off her medication like that marks the first time that she really said anything like that in that kind of an instance so that always stuck out to me too definitely and one thing that stuck out to me when they were walking as well was the camera angles kind of behind the trees peering at the girls in the group walking and to me it seemed like they were toying with that perspective and it was as if someone's watching them for sure. I don't yeah. I don't know who, but why else would they have that camera perspective if there was not somebody there watching, unless it's just alluding and setting the tone for this mysterious it and the force out in the wilderness. But it um it definitely seemed like somebody was watching them in more than just that one scene in that episode, too, because when they find the lake, it shows them in the lake and it really looks like somebody's watching them. Like the angles really makes it look like someone's watching them. And I feel like they obviously did that on purpose to make us like speculate if they're like the only ones out there or not, which I don't know about you, but it would be a little bit too on the lost side of things for me if there was like another group of people out there. The others. Yeah, exactly. That they just like haven't found yet. So I'm glad they haven't gone in that direction yet. Definitely. And and speaking of the scene at the lake, something I really enjoyed was when Mari was checking out Travis and <laughs> maybe he is hot, you know, her and Nat looking at him and Jackie's like, hey, guys, we've been here three days. Like, we're not that desperate yet. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And yeah. I just appreciated that because that just shows like the teenager side of them and where they're That's at cool. hormonally. So I yeah. thought that was funny, too. Yes. Um, and then in 2021, as we spoke about briefly, cannibalizing your tax dollars, um, Phil Bathurst ran a dirty campaign ad against Taisa and um, she like sees it on her computer with Simone and she said something like, if I don't start hitting back, this could be my new normal. And this was the same episode where Right before we see this scene, Thais is at the park with Sammy, and Sammy, like, basically punches another little kid in the face. And when she asks him if he hit him, like, he very much was like, yeah, I hit him. Like, didn't hide it and didn't seem to feel bad about it. And so when she said that, like, this could be my new normal, Simone is like, you you just watched your son, like, hit another kid at the park and you want to talk strategy? Like, what's going on with you? Like, that's not okay. And that led Taisa to sit down with Sammy, have a chat with him, and say, like, we need to talk about you hitting this boy. And Sammy very much was like, no. And so she took Manny from Sammy, and he very firmly was like, give him back and I will never forget that because the look on her face was like what did you just say to me and he was like being like really aggressive towards her 
So she took the doll, made him go to his room, and she puts the doll up on top of like a piece of furniture. And I always thought that was interesting too, because later in the episode, we obviously see Taisa go into the basement and she finds the doll smashed on the floor. So it made me wonder how it got from up there to the basement smashed everywhere. I mean, I'm assuming that she was the one behind the breaking of the doll based on what we see later on, but it was just really weird, like really weird. It was, and the creepy tone in which Sammy said something about it, I thought was extra creepy as well. And, you know, it's funny. Of course, he's playing with a doll. The episode is called Dollhouse. So I do think that there's a little bit of a dual entendre there as well with Sammy and his doll. And of course, the missing eye comes into play. And we see the man with no eyes for the first time in this episode. So there's also this imagery of missing eyes. So there's definitely a lot going on with dolls and eyes so far in this episode. Yeah, the man the man with no eyes scene was super interesting too because that was the first time that Taisa sees him but she sees him as a little girl and it was just for the way that they made us see him for the first time like showing him through her eyes and through her grandmother's eyes like that made us speculate if it was like a generational kind of thing where like it got passed down from her grandma to her and maybe if sammy is her biological child then maybe sammy is seeing him um because as we talked about before those creepy drawings that sammy made there were a couple drawings that really looked like the man with no eyes So it explained to me where this little boy gets all these ideas for these drawings. Like you don't just pull, they don't just pull ideas like that out of thin air at that age. Nope, they do not. So I'm thinking like maybe he knows way more about Taisa than Taisa realizes. Like because in the next episode, in Bear Down, we see him hiding inside of her, like, armoire while she's getting ready to go to the dinner with Diane Rappleson. And he's, like, spying on her and Simone. And the way that he looks at them before he leaves the room, like, it looked like he was trying to protect Simone. Like, very much so. Like, he didn't want to leave them alone. So it made me wonder if, like, he's been watching them a lot more closely than like either of them realize and picking up on things that like they don't think he knows about. Definitely. And something funny was when the kid was making fun of him at the playground, they called, he thought that they called Taisa a cannonball. And of course they meant cannibal. And it's again, one of those super small moments of humor that I was just kind of dying about it. I thought that was really a fun yeah. way to infuse a joke about eating people. So well done. <laughs> so Pinwino says, wasn't Van on one of his drawings as well? And if they're referring to the drawing of the person with the red hair, I assume that was Van too. I assume that it would. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously we don't know for sure if it was her or not, but yeah, I'm under the impression that it's Van at least. For what and we know. How would he know about Van? I would assume there's probably no pictures of her displayed in their house. I would no. assume. No. 
early on in season one, we had kind of discussed the possibility that maybe it was Van who was sneaking in and painted the spill yeah. and made the altar in the basement. And, you know, eventually, of course, we got the adult Van casting payoff and she's here. Yeah. But for Sammy to be drawing that again, yeah. where is this boy getting his content from? That is really yeah. concerning. Because also, like, not just how much he knows, but it makes me wonder how much Simone knows because I highly doubt that Thaisa has been honest with her about their entire experience out there and told her details. So if he's not, if she's not telling Simone these details and they're not like being said to anybody, then how is like, how does Sammy know? Like that just like, it boggles my mind. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So there's someone in the comments talking about Dark, which is also one of my new favorite shows. I recently <laughs> watched it. I've been buzzing about it everywhere, 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 everywhere. I love it. And the co-creators talk about an energetic connection between the characters made me theorize they in a TV show and time is not linear and characters are multiple, such as uh, Ben, Caligula, Jessica Roberts, Walter, Shauna's Wilderness Baby, Crystal. Um, interesting. My whole notion of time as a concept has been challenged if, after watching Dark and my conventions of our existence have just been completely upended. So Ooh, that is... to watch it. Oh my goodness, Emily. I cannot stress enough how much I loved it. I'm going to rewatch it as well. But it's funny that you mentioned Dark because I love it. And again, the notion of time, the time passes unequally in each of the timelines. So I wonder if there is yeah. some sort of element that they're playing with time. Um, of course, you know, we will see, but yeah. that is an, an interesting observation. Um, mm -hmm. We also see uh, Shauna fought. This is also when Shauna follows Jeff and she realizes that Jeff is what she assumes is cheating on her because mm -hmm. she follows him to, What's the name of the Jolly Rogers or the Jolly Hitcher? That's the name of the hotel. Yes. Um, and she also happens to run into Adam at this exact moment, which was just too coincidental. Um, his excuse being that his studio space was just down the street and he came for a drink, which I didn't know if that? I really believed that, but. Now, after seeing season two and seeing that studio space that he had, it makes me wonder if that really was true. Like, if he really was there, because we saw all the artwork that he had of Shauna. Like, Which, that was the way must have extended. taken so long to do. Yeah. He must have been after her, like stalking her forever. Unless it was really coincidence that they ran into each other and this whole thing happened, which is bizarre. Although, yeah. of course, we know that the creators were toying with the idea of making Adam Javi, which yep. he's not, of course. So I do think some of the Adam stuff comes into play with something they were going to do and didn't do. The tattoo being one of them, which we see yeah. very clearly in this episode as well. Yeah, that tattoo. It just it it's the one detail that like I can't just let go about Adam is the tattoo. Because especially after seeing season two and seeing Javi's drawings when they were out in the wilderness, like they were so similar. There were circles and mountains and triangles and like it was it just all seems related. And like we said, like they toyed with the idea of making him Javi. But 
I don't think that they had that detail planned out when they toyed with that idea of like his drawings in season two. Right. I would have thought after, you know, Adam died and we kind of like realized that it probably wasn't Javi. And after Javi died, of course. Um, yeah. The fo- the pictures, though, it just it does seem like something outstanding that mm-hmm. there may still be something to it, it just sucks. Javi died because we're never going to know about the caves and who his friend was and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. But I digress. Then we see Misty and Natalie go on this goose chase for Travis and we see them obviously go to his house. He's not there. The police get called, which is another thing that I've always been really curious about because the timing, the timing, the timeline regarding everything about Travis and his death is very suspect to me. Like does not add up. No. Not at all, because like there was so much that happened in such like a short period of time, it seems like like Jessica Roberts going to Travis's house, then Lottie showing up because Lottie showed up after Jessica Roberts showed up, then Natalie and Misty showing up hours later, like it. There's just so much about it that just doesn't make sense. But there is, and the note, the note, as Dustin Smothers is mentoring, uh, mentioning, we still may find the she he was talking about in that note that he left, which is also very suspicious um and of course now we know the 200 bottle of dollar 200 bottle of liquor was left by jessica roberts so now we know why he had such an expensive bottle for a guy who's making minimum wage as misty pointed out um i I just also loved misty's lines everything about like this reads unabomber the (laughs) the less belonging somebody owns the more likely they are to be whatever kind of murderer (laughs) i misty had so many good one-liners throughout this entire episode and i just i i laugh out loud every single time after they get caught by the cops and they're in and they're in jail She's like, I bet you he thinks we're hookers. <laughs> and that one always makes me laugh so hard because I highly doubt that's what was going through their heads. Yeah, I definitely looked at the pair of them. No. But this was also when they both got the chance to call someone to bail them out. And we mm-hmm. see Natalie call Taisa. And Taisa does not help her, as we all see and know. And Taisa says, you two are so toxic for each other. Like, I can't remember exactly what else she says, but she says something like, when the two of you get together, like, it's just not good. And after seeing season two and seeing the last time that they saw each other being when Natalie almost overdosed, like, that kind of put a little bit of, of it into perspective. Like, they, they both had a really hard time dealing with their their demons in regards to what happened to them and they both saw drugs and alcohol as their way to cope and together it was just like a shitstorm and it it makes me feel so bad for both of them that like they they both very clearly were not able to like make peace with what they did before they died They didn't. And in a way, I feel like Natalie had a premonition that Travis was dead when she was at his house because, of course, we saw that flash of of him in the background as as an adult. And that really stood out to me as well because she didn't know he was dead at this point, but she was seeing him similar to how Shauna sees Ghost Jackie in this Mm -hmm. episode for the first time, as a matter of fact. But yeah, that, that detail was interesting. And again, things just don't add up with Travis's death. And 
Now, of course, we know Lottie was there. Lottie Mm -hmm. was probably not telling the truth about how it all went down. And I just feel like there's still a lot more to unpack with this. And hopefully we're going to get a payoff in season three. One other interesting moment from this episode that stood out to me was when Natalie realizes that Misty stole her battery cable from her car. She sees it in her glove compartment. And I think she says something like, I fucking knew it or something under her breath. (laughs) And but the way that she reacts made me think that no one else knows about the black box because that would have been like the perfect instance to bring that up or showcase that in some way because it's very it's a very similar action like what she did and Natalie said nothing about it so that made me really wonder if Crystal really was the only one she told because I really 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 feel like if they knew that they would have tried to kill her or something like that and they none of them would be talking to her at this point if they had known she destroyed the black box either although as we learned the black box wasn't actually able to track them and like give a signal but again as we've said before it was all her intent in doing it that was really the rough part about it but now as adults i'm sure that even if they did know maybe they learned that too and thought to themselves well you know it wouldn't have made a difference but again it's all about that intent and we know misty does not always have the most innocent of motives yeah i mean even if i knew that it wouldn't have saved me and i knew that she destroyed it i would still feel like that because she didn't know that that wouldn't have any effect on rescue but she wanted it to have an effect on the rescue like that matters more than the actual end result in my opinion yeah i think that makes sense uh definitely um lottie and her meds also come into play in this episode which gives us more of a backstory about lottie and where her mindset is at. Of course, we saw the caboodle. Love the caboodle. That's why I keep my <laughs> mind here handy in the background. But we know she's running out of meds. And interestingly, it seems after her meds run out is when she starts kind of having these mm-hmm. notions such as something bad happened here. Yeah. Um, and then even with the plane, she said it didn't want him to leave. I mean, the plane mm-hmm. obviously had gas and started right up for them, which, again, suspension of disbelief, because that plane, there's no fucking way that thing ever would have taken off, in my yeah. opinion, um, and science, too, <laughs> after sitting so long. But what did happen out there? This is our first look into Cabin Daddy. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw all of that weird 70s porn they were looking at as as coach Ben mentioned, he had enough ammo stocked for the apocalypse. So if he had everything he needed out there and a means to get out, why did he die? We still don't know. They've now of course buried the body, which by the way, was super creepy when they first discovered it up in the attic. That was, that was jarring and seeing the symbol on the floor and seeing a symbol carved into the tree that Lottie discovers in this one, which looks so freshly carved to me, Emily. It just, when did the symbols get there? One of the ones by the tree was by the ghost plane. What's the significance? Does that mean there's another cave over there, perhaps? I don't know. I I definitely think that that's possible about it being, like, a marker for where there's, like, a cave. Because 
we saw that uh, in episode eight of season two, when Natalie tells Coach Ben about the tree, she says that he was praying or praying to a symbol tree near the creek. And that was the tree that Ben went to and found. So that tree had a symbol on it. So maybe it is a marker for something. Ooh, there's some interesting comments in here, by the way. Um, Cabin Daddy is Lottie's biological <laughs> father. Maybe grandfather. I feel like he might be a little um, little old to be her biological father. But there yeah. were theories that Lottie's dad maybe caused the plane crash. And maybe it's some weird social experiment like in the wilds, which I doubt. I don't personally believe that, but. It's no. been out there. And as Keith is saying, well, it was a supernatural plane. Everyone knows that. And <laughs> yes, we did see Lottie in season two having her vision of the mall underneath the plane. So maybe that's also alluding to the fact that there's something out there. Oh, wait a minute. And Simone is Aquila. That's a good one. Um, mm -hmm. Although I feel like Ty would know if her wife yeah. was someone that she was stranded out in the wilderness with. But that's just me. Yeah, I definitely think she'd know. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Let's see. What else do we have from this episode? I guess I was jumping ahead with some of the plane stuff for the next episode, but we're kind of lumping it all together anyway. But favorite scene in this episode, Emily? When Misty and Natalie get released from jail and Natalie learned that Misty had been communicating with Kevin as as Misty was pretending to be Natalie. And she says to Misty, do you know how weird you are? And Misty says, please don't Please don't make this uncomfortable or something like that. Uncomfortable silences make me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, love that. I mean, I enjoyed the scene I mentioned earlier where the girls are checking out Travis and are thinking yeah. he's hot after only three days in when none of them really would have given him a second glance before. But there were so many misty moments in here for oh me that were just all my favorite. Like I also said, the crumbs at the bottom of the chip bag. When yeah. she says, when Misty says, you know, I was channeling you, I was being dark and deadpan when she was texting with Kevin Tan. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, and then when she's sitting down with the Indian woman at the restaurant and she's like, yeah, nobody likes my granddaughter either. I just, I loved it. It was just peak Misty all throughout this episode. I I loved when, I loved when Misty goes to make a phone call too. And Natalie's like, who are you going to call your bird? And she's like, <laughs> Caligula doesn't know how to use the phone yet. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, yeah. And then the music from this episode as well. We had some good ones. Emily, what songs did we hear? We had Dreams by the Cranberries, Grandma's Hands by Bill Withers, Cambodia by Kim Wilde, and Vienna by Ultravox. Oop, and Mr. Mistopheles by Andrew Lloyd Webber from Cats. Which I think is an early call out to the similarities of Misty and Walter's road trip in season two when they're having the whole discussion about show tunes listening on the road trip. I yeah. just I thought that was really funny. I loved their whole road trip as a whole. I think it not only revealed a lot of information, but the dynamic between the two of them is so oh fantastic. Gosh. Yeah. And my favorite it, of season one. One hundred percent. And it it crushes me, of course, knowing Nat's not going to be here anymore and we're not going to get yeah. any more of those scenes unless of course no. she's haunting misty in the adult timeline but i just don't know if i see that happening either i don't see that happening and they already they already have one one girl haunting someone i don't think they'll do it multiple times 
Exactly. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. We see, again, Ghost Jackie for the first time in this episode. We see her a few times in season one. We see her in Jackie's old bedroom when Shauna is visiting. We see her, of course, when they're jumping off the bridge at the Halloween um, event when Shauna is there. And we were discussing this before we started streaming. Will we see more of Ghost Jackie in season three? We kind of both decided maybe not because seeing her was maybe more of a device to let the viewers know that Jackie was dead, just to kind of start setting the table for, of course, what we saw uh, in the season one finale when she was frozen. So I waver back and forth whether or not we will see Ghost Jackie in season two. I think there would have to be an explanation we don't see her, like a new ghost starts haunting Shauna, maybe Adam, I don't know, or maybe Shauna somehow gets in a different mental space where that portion of her imagination or psyche or conscience or whatever you want to call it is just not giving Jackie ghost vibe moments anymore. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely possible. I kind of hope we see her again. I feel like it adds a lot to the show and it shows a lot more about Shauna. And it, it, I mean, it was a good device to also show us that Jackie didn't survive that was our first real hint that Jackie didn't make it was when she saw her on that bridge when they before they jumped into the water because she says somebody's gonna get hurt that's right and we know somebody ends up getting very very hurt and maybe Jackie was acting like her conscience to try to prevent all of this from happening like what happened to her when she ended up in a bad spot and to uh pin wino's comment I think it depends on Ella's schedule that's a really good point and schedule wise of course the strikes are still going on so season three hasn't been written no production's been done so I think a lot of the cast who are from what I've heard all very committed obviously to returning um schedule's could be an issue moving forward for sure i definitely we could be waiting a while for season three like even once the strike is resolved yeah we definitely could be scheduling and all of that stuff like there's so much that they have to factor in and so many different people that they have to have available all at one time i mean the cast is so huge it's a huge cast so to get everybody all on one page i can imagine is probably really hard Yes. And then another interesting thing from this episode before we move on to the next one, Coach Ben says wolves can kill anything if the pack is big enough. And I do think that was definitely a big hint towards the fact that, of course, the girls hunted one another like wolves, but also what we know about Van and her encounter with a wolf. So there's another wolf imagery in this episode as well. Ty sees uh, the wolf um, when she's at the thing with Jan- uh, Diane Raffleson, which is actually in the next episode, but again, kind of lumping them together. Um, and then also uh, Javi carves a wolf. Um, Adam has one in his home. Ben gets attacked by wolves. So just in general, there's so much of this wolf stuff going along. Um, I just think they do such a good job of infusing all of these different elements into everything and really tying it together. So I always appreciate that. And um, John Garcia, Travis's name that he changed it to. What, I mean, you can get a more like generic name, I feel like that's like an equivalent of John Smith. And why did he go into hiding, Emily? Like these are some remaining questions I have after this episode and after the two seasons. We don't know exactly why he moved off the radar. It's it's interesting to yeah. think about. 
I don't know if we're ever going to get the answer either now that he's gone. Like, and now that Natalie was the only one that was really asking any questions. So, I mean, we both said we don't believe Lottie's story as to how he died. So I hope if it's not the full truth that we at some point get the truth because I want to know what really happened. We all do. I mean, (laughs) let's face it. Oh, my goodness. So many questions to have answered. So that said, we are going to move on to episode four, Bear Down. Um, Why don't you read the description from Showtime? The girls play with guns to determine who is the most responsible. Natalie untangles a lifetime of piecing together broken men and Thaisa greets the rich. A lot of things happen in this episode, and it begins by the group finding a gun and the large supply of ammo uh, inside of the cabin. And Natalie and Travis are eventually proven to be the best shots of the bunch. And something that was interesting about the whole gun thing was Shauna not participating at all. She was like off in the woods, writing in her journal. Javi kind of came up to her and talked to her. And I wonder if it's because a gun just isn't her weapon. She's a knife girl. And that's just hmm. allowing in her love for the knife. Cause it's a, crazy when they end up getting the deer and she offers to butcher it and coach is like okay just straight across the throat and she nonchalantly does it like no problem as if yeah. a knife in her hand is one of the most natural things we've ever seen and of course we do see here in season two with the um the arms in that dream that jeff yeah. has where she has the cooking knife knife yep. arms so there's just so much of the shauna knife imagery and for that reason, I found it interesting she wasn't into guns because maybe you're either a gun person or a knife person. I guess I'd be I, more of a knife person personally than guns. So Yeah. It's, or a rifle. I guess like, it's a rifle is the right term. I, it's a gun, but a rifle, right? Or shotgun. Shotgun, rifle. But her being like the only one, like literally the only one not to participate. Like why why her? Like we saw Jackie try to shoot the gun and she couldn't even like hold it upright to like aim. But she still tried. (laughs) She sure did. That's right. That's interesting. I never thought about that for Shauna being the only one out of the whole group. And they're all just willing to give it a whirl. I mean, I don't know if I would have given it a whirl. I am not a gun person. So I do think that is that is really interesting. And look at the utter joy on their faces when Nat really just crushes it with her shooting. I mean, God, have you ever seen Mari so happy and joyful before? For real. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) just saying. Yeah. After we see them learn how to shoot the gun, we then see Natalie and Travis go on their first hunt to find food. But Travis actually leads them back to the crash site instead of taking them to go look for animals and he does this so that he can dig up his dad's body and retrieve the ring that his father was wearing as a gift for hobby because he i don't know why he just thought that it would make hobby really happy to have something like sentimental i guess maybe to replace the gum the gum scene gutted me there's been a lot of a lot of hobby things that were pretty sad but seeing him saving the gum and the way that travis treats him like such shit totally sucks i mean you wrote a whole article about it travis martinez love to hate him or hate to love him and he was so harsh towards javi i feel like throughout this whole thing but again in a way I think a lot of that was a coping mechanism for him, and he didn't know how to act. I mean, God, he's been through this severe trauma. His dad died. He's out with these people he doesn't know. And 
Javi's still his brother. And the fact that he's going back to get the ring for Javi just kind of shows, of course, he loves his brother. He's just overwhelmed with sadness and, and, you know, tragedy and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. And then we also learned a lot about Nat's dad. So, you know, we have this whole scene where Travis, Nat's helping Travis get the ring off his dad's finger. And meanwhile, we're seeing all these different flashbacks about Nat's dad, who seemed Mm -hmm. like a really fucking bad guy, Emily, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's a fair assessment. Yeah. I mean, we learn, of course, that, you know, he he was accidentally shot in an altercation they were having. He was just straight out mean. The way he treated Nat when Kevin Tan was in her bedroom was just terrible. And God, it makes me even more sad knowing Kevin Tan isn't with us. I know I say it every time I talk about Kevin Tan, but um, it just, it was really sad. I love the mixtape. I love the sentiment of him having given the mixtape to Nat and then her giving it to Kevin in the adult timeline but yeah yeah, nat's dad total dick do not like that guy and it really just gives us more information into who natalie is and maybe why she's the way she is i paid so much attention to the scene when he ends up shooting himself um because in the scene he plays with the safety on the gun a bunch of times he's like look this is on this is off this is on this is off and i watched it multiple times he left the safety off when he went down the stairs so he was the one who he killed himself like on accident obviously but dumbass wouldn't have been toying with that safety then that might not have ever happened and it's so ironic because he's saying oh of course it's safe to keep a gun in the house if your kid's too much of an idiot to use it who's the idiot here bro i mean You just shot yourself and killed yourself. Dumbass. Yeah. Dumbass. Yeah, I don't think that he was a a good father by any means. No. No. Terrible, terrible, terrible father. Um, And then this is the episode where we do see the ghost plane, which we kind of touched upon a little bit earlier. But it's, again, really interesting to me. They find it and then it just starts right up. And like Laura Lee just knows how to like, start a plane and eventually fly a plane and so many things with the plane are just wild to me it almost killed van too when we talked to swell he said that he didn't think that that plane would start either that's right and he works for the faa i mean Mm -hmm. he had given us all this information on the black box and whatnot Mm -hmm. before so again no way the plane would have started so was this some kind of a sick joke did it start because the wilderness wanted one of them to die and for some magical force it started up and then laura lee died and they spilled some blood and and maybe that allowed them to not have to have anybody die for however many episodes. I don't know. I never really thought about that until I'm just talking through it right now. So. <laughs> but That's there has the to be some force in play. Yes, the live streams are great. You know, they may always <laughs> not be perfect. And I don't know, you know, I'm always stumbling through words sometimes. But um, yeah, sometimes these things just hit us like a light bulb. And maybe it's not suspension of disbelief. Maybe it was another force working to show the girls what was going on and who's in charge out there i don't know i never thought about it that way either but i feel like that could definitely be for sure 
Speaking of wild theories, this is not related to this episode, but Dustin Smother said, what if Crystal set the cabin on fire? We believe she's 99.9% dead, but Misty couldn't find the body or overlook the body. What if she did survive? I mean, judging by the blood that was coming out of her mouth, I can't see her surviving. And actually, we're doing an episode on Where's Crystal for our patrons this month too. So you know what, Dustin, we're going to add this to our list and we're going to talk about, you know, maybe she's in the caves and she (laughs) set the cabin on fire. Um, Somebody would have had to come and rescue her though, which would give credit to there being some other person out there. I don't think Javi would have been, or Coach Ben would have been strong enough to be able to successfully, you know, drag her body from the bottom of the cliff somewhere. But you know what, Dustin, you never know. And we appreciate you bringing the theory. So thank you. (laughs) Yes, I appreciate all the theories. (laughs) Yes, we do. We sure do. Meanwhile, in the present day timeline, uh, Kevin, uh, Natalie and Kevin meet. And of course, he's a police officer. And she kind of uses him a little bit to try she to totally uses him i'm okay you're right i was maybe sugarcoating it a little bit <laughs> she's she's totally using kevin tan because she wants yeah. more information on travis's murder yeah 100 percent. yes she knew what she was doing going there and she knew that she would be able to get what she wanted if she went about it a certain way she sure did. She sure did. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Thaisa re- rejects an endorsement from a powerful potential donor as they try to probe her past. Of course, Diane fucking Raffleson, this bitch. She takes Thaisa aside, tries to butter her up and, you know, tease her with her money and her power and then drops the bomb like, hey, I'm really good at keeping secrets. Why don't you tell me what really happened out there? And Thaisa, you know, Diane says, hey, watch your tone with me. Because Thaisa starts to be like, hey, what the fuck is this? And then she says, um, let me calibrate my tone as I tell you to perfectly go fuck yourself or something along those lines, which I appreciated because let's face it, that money would have been very helpful for Thaisa and her campaign. So to turn it down makes me think that maybe, you know, Ty does have boundaries when it comes to this political campaign. She was, of course, going to use Phil Bathurst's daughter as a way to retaliate against the cannibalizing your tax dollars ad. And she doesn't. She instead calls him and warns him on the phone. And so despite the fact that Ty might do some kind of shady things, it shows that she does have boundaries and a conscience. So, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we see her like seeing the deer head. She's hallucinating the deer head come across on the tray which is kind of wild too we're seeing her delve a little bit into these other states and it's interesting because Simone mentioned she forgot to eat dinner so she was lightheaded and it makes me think does Ty hallucinate and sleepwalk when it's something physically going on with her body for instance she was eating the dirt out in the wilderness in a future episode Uh, she's maybe hungry or if in the fact of sleepwalking, she's maybe tired or out of it or something. So I don't know. It's it's interesting to start kind of seeing Ty unraveling a little bit. She also hallucinates seeing a wolf at that point, too. Like, I know you already touched on the fact that, like, wolf imagery is big, but she at that moment she sees the deer head and then she looks into the room the next room and she sees like a white wolf walking away and this was the moment when an older couple had approached her and they asked her about um 
Phil Bathurst and they said, what are all of his supporters chanting? Spill, spill, spill. And then the old man says, tell me, what did you really have to do out there to survive, basically? And that's when she hallucinates seeing the wolf, like when they're asking her these questions. Right. And the spill, spill, spill. This is mm-hmm. the first time that we hear that. Of course, spill comes into play later when we see it painted on Ty's building. Um, we hear spill throughout different conversations. I think Jackie might be one of the first girls to mention, or she says spill, talking about like spill the gossip or spill the tea or whatever. But yeah, so the first time we hear this spill, 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 I think there's something to that. I think that's interesting. Um, Really quick, wanted to shout out Jesse. He says, I love watching you two. I loved the show since season one, but didn't find you guys until season two first aired, but I'm glad I did. I love the podcasts and vids. Jesse, Thank you so much. We cannot even tell you how happy that makes us. We put a lot of work into this and just appreciate all of you guys so much. So um, while we're discussing it, please be sure uh, if you want more of our content and you have not already, (laughs) be sure to bookmark cordcutting.com slash yellowjackets-hive and subscribe to Cord Cutting on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at cord cutting. And you can find our exclusive videos there and articles on our Hive Hub page. So buzz in and check it out every week so if you're in need of stuff there's plenty there plenty and we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up this month i'm so excited for it so stay tuned (laughs) back to the episode coverage (laughs) um where were we shauna and adam yes shauna and adam begin their affair if you want to call it that (laughs) i don't know if i would call it an affair um and uh shauna wait was this did i did i mix up episodes earlier when i said that they jumped off the bridge because i thought they jumped off the bridge in episode three but i'm reading my notes and i think it was actually bear down that they jumped off the bridge yeah you know either way i lumped together some things too i think when you do two episodes at once for for a rewatch i watched them back to back kind of like last minute today barely got them done and rewatched but yeah they all do kind of lump together but as long as it happens in episode three or four i think we're just fine and you guys will all forgive us out there right yeah i hope so (laughs) (laughs) yes and yeah they that's when they they jump off the bridge and they start hooking up with each other and i love i didn't love this moment but i love the music in this moment it was um ready to go i think was the song is that what it's called here let me pull up the handy music graphic here yeah ready to go go, republica Republica. absolutely Mm -hmm. that was a good moment another adam shauna scene that i enjoyed was them um doing the alcohol thing where they go and ask someone to buy them alcohol and the guy's like hey no one's carding you lady yeah you're not Um, gonna get carded (laughs) no but one little detail that i did actually pick up on this time in the rewatch was the pub next to the liquor store was called the artful dodger and the artful dodger is a character in oliver twist who's a pickpocket a thief he's kind of a head of a kid gang and i was wondering if that was some kind of sneaky metaphor to where adam is the head of some kind of sneaky wilderness gang or cult. Of course, now we know it's not a cult because Lottie's, of course, the head of the cult. But yeah. I'm like the artful dodger of all the things. Was that the oh shit, sorry. Was that the actual name of the pub where they were filming? Or did they 
put that on there on purpose. I should have Googled yeah. this ahead of time. So, hey, everyone out there in the comments, I don't know, maybe we can find the filming location for the liquor store slash pub from season one. Bear <laughs> down. But I just thought that was kind of sneaky. Like, is it a background clue or am I just reading way too much into it? Could go either way. I don't know. There's so many details that like could go either way. Like it could be something more or it could just be that you're reading into it. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's hard to tell. TBD. Actually, not really, because Adam's dead. And but again, we 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 don't know if Adam is going to come back into play. I mean, we've talked about it before. Are things wrapped up nicely, or is this going to somehow come back to them? Because of course, Walter solved the problem, but we don't know how efficiently and effectively quite yet. So, yes, he he got rid of Kevin Tan, but he didn't get rid of the real problem. <laughs> Yep. Um, you know, Dustin mentions Shauna likes forbidden sex, forbidden sex with Jeff when he was with Jackie, forbidden sex with Adam when she's married to Jeff. And that's interesting because something I didn't write in the notes and just now remembered, thank you, Dustin, was that, of course, she's having sex in the car with Adam, just like she was having yeah. sex in the car with Jeff. And true, that's interesting. She really is either reverting to her teenage self because she does like this forbidden stuff or she's reliving the times that she missed as a teenager being out in the wilderness or maybe it's a combination of the two but anyway i just thought that i was think it's a combination of the two because i definitely think that when she was with adam she was very much trying to do the things that she wasn't able to do because she was out there like the perfect example was having that guy by her alcohol. Like there was no way she was going to get carded, but she wanted the experience because that's what everybody else did at that age. That's right. And, you know, Pin Wino pointed out she also masturbated in Callie's bed in episode mm. one to Callie's high school boyfriend, which is really fucking gross. Like, yeah, very disturbing. So wrong. Very disturbing. Um, yeah. So wrong. But it all plays into that whole like, is she reliving the teenage thing or is she just kind of stuck in that place mentally? Um, and yeah. the forbidden aspect of it, too, because I'll tell you, Callie's boyfriend, Kyle, was definitely forbidden for a 40 something year old woman. Yeah. 100%. You yeah. Know, it gives me like goosebumps <laughs> and cringy feelings even talking about it. Yeah. Gross. But yeah. Um, and then Misty and Jessica Roberts have an interaction. Tell us about that. Misty approaches Jessica Roberts after she realizes that Jessica is there spying on Natalie, which is the same thing that Misty's doing. But Misty plays it off as I was having your back. <laughs> <laughs> and she says to Jessica Roberts, I know when you look at me, you don't see someone that you should be afraid of, but you're wrong. Oh. And, and we all know how it turns out for Jessica fucking Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all Jessica Roberts says is okay. And she just gets up and walks away. Like she could, she has like no concerns when it comes to Misty Quigley whatsoever. And she was the one that she should have been afraid of out of all of them. <laughs> 1000%. Oh my God. Oof. Um, and then also Misty calls Shauna to tell Shauna that Travis is dead. And Shauna didn't exactly welcome her with an open ear, if you will. That conversation, like, is something that I've always been so curious about ever since first watching it. Because why, why single out Shauna? Like, why call Shauna to tell Shauna that Travis died? Like, what's the significance in 
telling Shauna? Like, did she do it just because she was like, wanted to be like, oh, I knew about this and you didn't. And I'm informing you before you knew, like, to be like, I'm in the loop and you're not. Or did she have some other, like, motive, like, as to why she did it? Like, Shauna's reaction, like, makes me think that Misty does something in particular to Shauna that makes Shauna feel this way. Like, we know Misty's crazy. We've seen Misty do plenty of crazy stuff. But Shauna and Misty's relationship as teenagers, they don't really have one. Like, None Shauna, at all. Misty helped deliver the baby, but that's really all there has been between them. And I don't know, maybe she like used Misty as being responsible for the fact that the baby died because Misty was the one that delivered the baby. I don't know. Like, I've had mm-hmm. that thought cross my mind. Like, does she hold Misty responsible for that in any way because of how it went down. I can see that because it's not like they had all of a great relationship ahead of time. And the way that key went down that whole episode was who, I mean, it was, it was jarring and clearly Shauna was really struggling at the end of that. And I mean, most of the episode was a dream. So I don't Mm -hmm. think Shauna is maybe even able to discern reality from a dream when it came to the, childbirth situation because she wasn't all with it and it was super traumatic so yes i can totally see you're blaming misty for that that makes sense because i mean we see in the next episode after key when she punches lottie in the face before she punches lottie she hits misty and she starts yelling at misty saying that like it was her fault and taisa is like shauna like snap out of it like misty did everything she could like what is wrong with you and that's when she starts going crazy and saying like i saw you guys you were eating my baby you were covered in blood like the hallucination that she had and yeah the fact that she really wasn't able to discern reality from from her dreams for sure definitely and another thing from this these two episodes So when Nat and Misty were on their road trip and they get to Travis's, they say something like, or it was after Natalie discovered um, Travis died. She said, Travis didn't do this to himself. You know, Mm -hmm. what are the odds that he just turns up dead after we receive these postcards? And Mm -hmm. now that we know that Lottie was actually physically present at Travis's home and where he died, makes me think that maybe Lottie sent the postcards. I know we've kind of gone back and forth about this, but perhaps in a way, because she was unraveling, she wanted to get them all back together again. And it was effective. It all worked. And again, Nat's kind of right. Like, what are the odds? The postcards happen and then all of a sudden Travis turns out dead. The timing of it is all just a little suspect as Lottie's presence being there. So just saying. I wonder if Travis himself received a postcard because that's something that obviously we were never told. Right. And if he did, I'm wondering, gosh, would they have seen it when they were there? I mean, he had such minimal belongings. Maybe not. He could have destroyed it. He could have stuck it in a drawer. Where did Travis's belongings all go after he died anyway? We don't know. No one ever asks Lottie if she received a postcard either. Like they're never brought up in that in that aspect. Like what about Van? Did they never discussed it with Van either if she received nope. one, huh? Although Jessica Roberts did say some of these people like living off the grid, but if she mm-hmm. found Travis, she obviously found Van because we know yeah. Van stuff was in the file. But mm-hmm. 
yeah. Hmm. I wonder if Fan got one too. She certainly she didn't mention it if she did. So why would only just a few of them get it? Yeah, that doesn't like, make why sense. Why didn't Shauna get one? Why didn't Shauna get one? Because again, we don't buy that Jeff sent the postcards. No. We know he sent the text messages, but I do not think he sent the postcards. Nope. I don't think so either. And I will stick by that. <laughs> yes. And, you know, speaking of the postcards, which said, wish you were here. We have this super cool new design in the yellowjacketshiveshop.com. Wish you were here. Picturing a hand coming up from a frozen lake as it is dying. Of course, we know it's Javi. Uh, we have that available on a few different designs. So check it out. It's our ode to the postcard, which yes. hopefully we'll get some closure on. One of these days. Yeah. One of these seasons. Yes. Yeah. It's one of the things that I'm the most curious about are the postcards. So I really hope we get an actual answer. Like they show us who did it. Like I want to see. <laughs> oh, same. I mean, that's one of one of the unanswered questions. And we just talked about it. I think we're going to do a whole episode on the postcards for Patreon in October. So for anybody who has any theories or thoughts that you want to share on it, please let us know who you think yeah. the postcards because we love hearing everybody's theories. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things. Yes. Emily, what was your favorite scene in Bear Down? In Bear Down, my favorite scene was when... Um, it was after they retrieved the ring from Coach's body, and Natalie asked Travis, "So, can you really suck your own dick?" <laughs> and he's like, "I wish." <laughs> that was really cute. It was nice to kind of see their relationship starting to form out there. Yeah, these early moments they started off a little bit rough, but as time goes, of course, we know that they end up getting together and whatnot. So mm -hmm. um, I think for me, it was Ty telling Diane, let me perfectly calibrate my tone as I tell you to go fuck yourself. I just love that. I love a good F-bomb. <laughs> like, clearly, I mean, especially the well-placed ones. Those are the best. Um, but Misty moment-wise, this episode, Emily, oh my God, that one <laughs> Misty moment, like, you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. When she's helping Coach relieve himself and she's like, well, you just bear down. And then she says, sometimes when I'm having trouble, I sing to release my bowels. And she starts singing Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. And for the rest of my life, whenever I hear that song, that is what I will imagine in my head is her helping him go to the bathroom. <laughs> And of all the songs, Breakfast at Tiffany's, like, so random. I mean, Deep Blue Something was definitely very popular in the 90s and a popular song. But that whole scene was hilarious. It just really showed how reliant upon the girls that Coach Ben was. I mean, fuck, he couldn't even go yeah. to the bathroom by himself. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. we see him at the end of the episode, too, like – he is just sitting on the cabin porch and swatting at all of these flies that just like won't leave him alone and it makes him fall and he has like a mental breakdown like he falls misty tries to help him up he hits her in the face and makes her bleed and just starts crying saying like how can i just be this way now like that would have to be like something really hard to accept especially in those conditions like i can only imagine the mental gymnastics going on inside his head 
Oh my God. And the buzzing of the flies around mm-hmm. his amputated limb was disgusting. Yeah. We also got some buzziness with the buzzing when the girls were walking to the cabin from that deer that mm-hmm. was in the forest, which what's up with the deer? We've talked about it before, all like the maggots and everything. What's wrong with some of these animals out there? The sicknesses, is, does it have to do with the Red River? Is there's something else and if so why are the girls not getting sick unless they're getting like mentally sick somehow but i think the mental game is a product more of the trauma than anything physical they eat the birds that fell from the sky in season two and they all seem to be fine so Mm -hmm. but they all fell out of the sky was it a gift or is it sick animals i mean it seems like it must have been a gift because there was some blood spilled so yeah because that's when shauna gets a nosebleed that's right. That's right. At that yeah. exact moment. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. So many things to speculate on. And um, Dustin, God, you've got some good ones today. Um, I saw on Twitter someone said Jeff sent the postcards, and Ashley Lyle liked it. Hmm. I still don't. I still don't believe it. She didn't reply, and she didn't confirm it. But a like, okay, that's something. I mean, possibly possibly i will be so disappointed if it was jeff that sent them like i just can't see it like it just seems too sophisticated for him yeah but i mean at this point now the postcards were way back in season one and maybe it's Mm -hmm. just something closed and we're reading too much into it it's hard to say we like reading into yellow jackets it's (laughs) i mean it's basically our job right so Here we are reading into all the things we can possibly read into. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll continue to do so. (laughs) Yes, we will. Uh, We have our next live stream planned for two weeks. We're not doing it weekly. We're doing every other week unless something comes up. And of course, we'll let you guys know. But as of right now, not next week, the week after, we're going to cover episodes um, five and six. God, we're just flying through season one. Yeah. And it's been a lot of fun. I just feel like I appreciate these things so much more oh, yeah. watching it again. And of course, I mean, I've watched these episodes way more than once anyway, but each time it just feels a little bit different and you pick up on some new things. So it, I feel like I'm watching it through a totally different lens now that I've watched season two. Like things that I didn't pay attention to before are now becoming things that might be important and stuff like that. Definitely. And the music from episode four, before we wrap up, we had Mountain Song from Jane's Addiction, Made in China by the Father Figures, of course, Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Can't even get over that one. So Alive, Love and Rockets, Feel the Pain, Dinosaur Jr., and as you mentioned before, Ready to Go, Republica, which was just so well-placed in that scene. You were spot on. Yeah, that was my favorite music moment from that episode for sure. Yes. In general, I'm just going to say this. I feel like the music in season one is slightly better than season two. Although I did enjoy quite a lot of songs from season two. Overall, I think if we're rating it, music in season one slightly better. Curious to know if everybody thinks the same or different. So, Well, we did say before that if we had to rate them, that we would rate season one at like an 11 out of 10 and season two like an eight out of 10. That's true. And I think that that can also go along with the music. So can't wait to see what they do for season three. One of my favorite things they did to tease season two was the uh, Florence and the machine cover Mm -hmm. of just a girl. 
Yeah. And they, of course, used Alanis Morissette Uninvited in season one to tease it. That was my favorite. Oh, my God. So I good. love, I loved that, everything about it. And then, of course, she remade the No Return theme song for mm-hmm. season two, which was also incredible. The music game is so strong, and oh, I just yeah. know they're going to they're gonna come with it again in season three, and I cannot wait for the teasers to start coming out. Remember the time we all sat and watched a burning candle on YouTube, <laughs> like, waiting for something phoenix i see you shaking your head back there you were you were there watching that damn candle burn we all were and i mean after such a long hiatus i can't even imagine the enthusiasm once things do start picking up for season three after the strike because we're literally gonna be chomping at the bit for yeah any yellow jackets content we can get Yep. Cannot wait. Yeah, oh. I'm so excited. And we don't even know when it's going to happen. <laughs> no, we sure don't. But, you know, eventually. And I guess yeah. we'll just have to live with that. So in the meantime, everybody be sure, th- again, that you have bookmarked cordcutting.com slash yellowjackets-hive. We've got a new video dropping on Monday. We've got new articles coming, lots of great existing content. And the stuff coming out this month is going to be super fun. I'm not going to say much more about it, but there's some really fun stuff coming. So be sure you connect with us, everybody. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Until we spill again.